coming up, we got to discuss that disgusting series against the Chicago Cubs. And then we're talking to Sully Baseball for our weekly crossover about is this the best Yankees team we've seen in a decade? Discussing all that for you guys next. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, as you cover this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. As I mentioned, we got our weekly crossover with Silly Baseball of Lockdown MLB coming up, where we're discussing. Is this the best Yankees team we've seen in a decade? But before we get to that, let's discuss this D-backs versus Chicago Cubs series. D-backs drop two out of three against the Chicago Cubs. Entering the series, we discussed one of the things we were going to watch for was, do the D-backs deserve to be here? And by here we meant, do they deserve to be mentioned in that playoff field when we're looking at the National League? Should they brought up? Should they be brought up in the conversation for teams that can make the postseason? And entering this weekend, you would have said, sure, they have to be. They're two games above 500. They're about to play a pretty lowly Chicago Cubs team. They've played maybe the toughest schedule in Major League Baseball. They fared well against above 500 teams this season. So they should be in that playoff uh, mix. And a win against the Chicago Cubs, a series win against the Chicago Cubs would only further validate that because against their previous, you know, the previous five series that the D-backs played in, they had not lost a series. They either tied or won every of their previous five series, but not against the Chicago Cubs. They lost two out of three. And the main takeaway that I had from the Chicago Cubs, I got two main takeaways. They're pretty pretty large broader points but they're pretty specific to this D-backs team and the first broad point is this bullpen is no longer an issue it's now a problem specifically the ninth inning the closing role the who the closer is for this D-backs team we don't know who should be the closer of this D-backs squad right now because the two guys we signed in the offseason to be the potential closer for this D-backs squad are like the two on uh, the two most unreliable players right now in the ninth inning in Mark Melanson and Ian Kennedy because Mark Melanson he came in Friday's game the first opportunity to save a game after his latest meltdown Toy Lovello gave him the confidence to go back out there in Friday's game and try to get his confidence back have a bounce back outing and that was that's what Mark Melanson was able to do Friday night he got that bounce back he was probably able to build up some confidence and some uh, and some self-esteem and get that attaboy from Toy Lovello to get that confidence and go out there the next time his name was called which would be in uh Saturday's game 
just the day after Mark Melanson. I don't know why he's brought back in back-to-back days. Maybe that's too much of a workload for Mark Melanson. But after coming through in Friday's game, after having that bounce back in Friday's game, we saw the implosion once again by Mark Melanson Saturday night. Three earned runs given up. Didn't even record now. After a fantastic start by Zach Gallen, the bullpen was not able to hold up. And let me not blame the entire bullpen because it was just Mark Melanson, Nora Ramirez, and Joe Mantiply did their jobs. And then you look at Sunday's game, and it was a very similar game to what happened Saturday because Humberto Castellanos, he got off to a shaky start. He gave up a couple home runs in the first three innings, but he really settled down after that. I thought this was going to be a terrible start by Humberto Castellanos. The way he started Sunday's game, I thought it was going to be one of those five earned runs, six earned runs game where the, where the starter for the D-backs doesn't even make it four innings because it seems like those Sunday starts for the D-backs can be really shaky at times. But Humberto Castellanos really settled down after those first three innings and gave the D-backs a very solid start. And the D-backs brought in a whole bunch of relievers to really hold down the fort in this one because Middleton came in, Kyle Nelson, Ramirez, Mantiply. You had four back-to-back-to-back back-to-back good outings by your reliever but once that ninth inning came around Ian Kendi came in and he just imploded and allowed the the Cubs to make a run in the ninth inning and take the lead and you look at the two guys who were supposed to be the stabilizing forces in the back end of your bullpen in Mark Melanson and Ian Kendi and now you're just scrambling for questions what should we do now Who should we turn to? Because the two guys we thought were going to be the most stable in high-leverage situations, we found out a month and a half into the season that maybe they can't be trusted. Now, maybe they are able to bounce back and are able to pick up some steam as the season keeps rolling on. Maybe they can make some adjustments by Brent Strom, get back on track. Maybe this isn't the version we'll see by the end of the year, but right now the version we see from Mark Melanson and Ian Kendi isn't pretty and I think we have to start looking at other options for that closing role and I think the hottest name people are going to bring up for a potential closer for the D-backs is Joe Mantiply because he's already got a couple saves under his belt this season he seems to be the guy that comes in in pretty high leverage moments maybe the first guy chosen that's not named Ian Kendi or Mark Melanson um, out the bullpen for high leverage moments by Toy Lovello you can make the case for Kyle Nelson too I think Nelson or Mantiply are probably the two biggest names for the closing role by the D-backs but I think the D-backs probably have the most trust in Joe Mantiply just because when Ian Kennedy or Mark Melanson didn't get their name called for a save opportunity opportunity this year, it has been Joe Mantiply. So maybe it's time to make the switch and go with Joe Mantiply as a closer because these, the, this bullpen in the ninth inning is not an issue. It's a problem right now for the D-backs. And that's not the only problem because one problem that's prevailed the D-backs or has been a persistent issue for the D-backs this whole season has been the lack of offense. And we thought it was turning a corner as we entered May. The offensive numbers have really picked up. We just came off that series against the Miami Marlins where the offense was pretty good as well. But against the Chicago Cubs, the offense really came back to earth. Friday's game, they only scored four runs, which was just enough to get the win. But Saturday and Sunday, the D-back just put up two runs apiece both days and Once again, runners in scoring position, the D-backs were not able to come through. 2 for 12 Saturday, and then Sunday, the D-backs were only 1 for 9 with runners in scoring position. And both days, they struck out double-digit times. I mean, these Chicago Cubs pitchers will give them credit for the work that they put in against uh, against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Kyle Hendricks is a pretty good starting pitcher. He looked pretty good on Saturday night against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But on Sunday, 
I don't even know who Justin Steele is. I've literally never heard of the guy, and he was mowing down this D-backs lineup. I mean, at one point, I think he struck out like six of seven batters um, in consecutive order. Like, the D-backs lineup was getting mowed down the last couple of games, and it's really disgusting to see. I think there's just maybe too much jumbling of the lineup. Like, I like all the options the D-backs have, but... I, I kind of wanted to find a consistency with the lineup so it could build a rhythm. One day we got Kipton Marte batting third like he did Sunday. Then another day he's batting sixth like he did Saturday. Paven Smith might be at number two. He might be at number seven the other day. Alec Thomas always seems to be batting eighth or ninth. There's just a lot of jumbling of the lineup, and a lot of that's going to depend on who the starting pitcher is that day for the opponent because, of course, the D-backs love to play those cross matches. But I also feel like you need to have some kind of consistency when it comes to your lineup. So for the D-backs, like I discussed, my two main takeaways from this weekend series against the Chicago Cubs. The bullpen is no longer an issue. It's now a problem, specifically the ninth inning, because that was their biggest issue the last couple of years. Um, they were a, a team that could not save games. Once the ninth inning rolled around, they blew a ton of games the last couple of years, and that seems to be a persisting problem with the D-backs team again this season. And the other big takeaway is this offense cannot come through with runners in scoring position. They need that. They need to build a better consistency and rhythm with their lineup. There's been a lot of jumbling of the batting order. So I think it would make it a little bit easier on the players if they kind of knew where they were going to be once they entered the ballpark. So those are my two main takeaways from this weekend series against the Chicago Cubs. D-backs only one game above 500, and now they got to face the LA Dodgers in their next series. It's going to be a tough one against the Dodgers, but we've already beat them. Um, we've already been them once this season, so why can't the D-backs do it again? And we got a doubleheader on Tuesday, so it should be a fun one against LA. If you want to bet on the D-backs bouncing back against the LA Dodgers, you need to head to betonline.net because our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and evens next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts. Taking fans through the season like no other network, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you need a boost, go get your Bilt Bar because I'm a health conscious guy. I'm trying to work out every day. But the problem that I have is I have a sweet tooth. I love to eat candy. I love to eat junk food. But it's okay because Bilt Bar tricks me. I think that me and candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar. Low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Great for the keto diet. If you're on your own, just go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome. It's Monday. It's time for another Locked On crossover with Locked On MLB and Locked On Diamondbacks. I'm one of your hosts, Paul Francis Sullivan. Check down there. You know what you can call me? You can call me the 50-year-old Sully. 
And right over there, if you're watching on the YouTubes, who's that? Who's that handsome younger man than me by the microphone? What's your name? I'm just Sully 25 years earlier, Miller Thomas. Hmm. There's some things about me 25 years earlier that look really different. Yeah, I got a little tan going, got yeah, the hair growing up. I, I, uh, there you go. I wasn't sure how to even say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But hey, but I'll say this is a Lockdown MLB crossover with Lockdown Diamondbacks. This is being dropped on the 16th day of May, 2022. Uh, thanks so much for making us your first listen as we're available on all your free podcasts and catchers. Be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB podcast locked on diamondbacks check out some of the other great shows on the locked on podcast network including heck i'll mention it right now locked on now mention locked on now now get recaps of major league baseball games with analysis for our local experts taking fans through the season like no other network they're free and available wherever you get your podcast you can follow me uh you can follow uh locked on mlb on twitter or at instagram locked on mlb pods I'm your pal Sully, and right down there, because you can follow me on Twitter at Sully Baseball, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Millard, where can people follow you? At Creator Thomas24 for my personal account on Twitter, or look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. All right. So, just again, full disclosure, pulling back the curtain a little bit here. Uh, there is a game that's still going on as we're recording it. Uh, the Cardinals are beating the Giants. And what's and it looks like it to be an absolute thriller right now. It's thirteen to two Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, as my mom would say, the score is a lot to not enough. So uh, unless something is extraordinary going to happen in that game, I think that you can go to bet online and say that they're going to Cardinals are going to actually win that game. So let's just go over some things that happen uh, this weekend. We're you know it's interesting. It feels like the season just started, right? Mm-hmm. Still pretty new. Still pretty new, but we're, we're almost at the one-quarter mark. Wow. You know, is it that? You know, we're like 30-something games Well, in? think of it. If, if it's 162 games, roughly 40 games will be about a quarter of the way through the season, right? That's true. 40, 41 there. games. You know, multiply that by four. That's oh. 164. That's why you're the so, teacher, Sully. That's right. That's why they – hey, Cal State Fullerton doesn't admit you unless you're smart. Okay. Mm. And also doesn't mean you if you stumble through a sentence like that. But um, so yeah, it's too early to declare champions or declare winners. But you know what? It, you can get off to a super fast start and cruise the rest of the way. There have been instances like that. The 1990 Cincinnati Reds got off to an absolutely red hot red hot start, and for the second half of the season, they basically played 500 ball. But they went wire to wire, won the division, ultimately won the World Series. When you're seeing some of the teams are off to super hot starts, I'm looking at you, New York Yankees, the lone team with fewer than 10 losses this season. You know, we're about a quarter of the way through the year. And this is the best Yankee team I've seen in a decade. And and I I have to say, I have to eat a little bit of crow to a degree because mm-hmm. I didn't pick them to go to the playoffs and everything. Uh, and I have to make sure I, I say this clearly. I, I didn't think they were going to be a bad team. I just thought they had too many question marks. Well, too many question marks had to go their way. And right now, a lot of those question marks have turned into exclamation points, uh, especially today's winner. The guy. I mean, again, we're not going to go into – we'll get into the – in segment two, we'll get into the uh, validity, again, oh. of the win and loss stat. But uh, Nestor Cortez Jr., who, by the way, is pitching brilliantly. He only got a second win. 
His ERA is now at 1.35, pitched eight innings, let up three hits, one earned run, seven strikeouts, no walks. Like, their pitching staff has been unbelievable. And, you know, I don't think they've been a legit pennant contender. So when you look at some man, they may go to the World Series. Yeah, I know they got to the LCS a couple of times, but this is the best they've looked like in a decade, I think. Yeah, I was going through the research. I was looking at the Yankee teams on baseball reference, and I forgot they had a little lull there where there was like a they were like an 80 mid 80 win team for like four straight ye- uh, four straight seasons. And I completely forgot that in Yankees lore because, of course, Yankee fans don't want to talk about that. But yeah, trying to figure out if this is the best Yankee teams in the decade. I mean, you have to go back 2018, 2019. They both had uh, they had back to back 100 plus win seasons. But if you look at those two teams, I don't know. I feel like the the Yankee team this year is just probably the most well-balanced Yankees team we've seen in in a decade because those back-to-back 100-win seasons in 2018 and 2019, I don't know if you felt like they had the horses in the rotation as opposed to what they as opposed to what the Yankees have now because there's no Garrett Cole basically. If you look at the last decade of Yankees baseball, the bullpens have been similar to what they were this year. The lineups have been similar to what they were this year. But I think the biggest difference is the rotation because in the last decade they've had the CC Sabathias and the Tanakas, but they didn't really have a true ace. CC uh, was a little bit on his back nine. Tanaka, mm-hmm. he was pretty good, but I don't think you would ever qualify him as an ace or your number one starter in your rotation. But you look at this Yankees rotation now, led by Garrett Cole, who's getting paid, you know, the big bucks in baseball. He's one of the highest paid players in baseball. And behind him, you got the Nestor Cortez, as we talked about, who has been a breakout star this year. Montgomery, Severino's back. You got Tyon. This rotation from top to bottom looks really strong. I think that's the biggest difference to why I think this is maybe the best Yankees team in a decade. Now we'll have to see how it plays out in the postseason because they have made a couple of championship series runs in the last 10 years, but they never, of course, made it back to the World Series since 2009. But on paper, I would say this is the best Yankees team right now because I think it's the most well-balanced. I could look at Yankees teams in the past and see that they hit home runs, they scored runs, they maybe shut down or had a you know had a shutdown bullpen as well. But I don't think any of those teams in the last decade have had a rotation as good as the one we're seeing right now by the New York Yankees. Yeah, I mean, you go from the moment Jeter broke his ankle in the 2012 ALCS against Detroit. And, you know, Yankee Stadium went silent that night. And they got swept in the ALCS by the Tigers. And they missed the postseason 2013. They missed the postseason 2014 and 16. They they missed the postseason three out of four years. And the one year they did get in, they got in as a wildcard team. They lost a wildcard game. So in a four-year span, they played one postseason game. Now, in 2017, they got back to the ALCS. They stunned the Indians. Uh, the Indians were the had that winning streak look like they were going to avenge their World Series loss. They stunned the Indians, and then they lost to the trash cans. Um, so, I mean, that was a team that played above its head in 2017. The team in 2018, yeah, they won 100 games, but they were still a wildcard team. And the Astros and the Yankees were both clearly better than the Yankees that year. Uh, in 2019, they again they had a wonderful season. But just ask Stacy Gotsoulias about that year. That was a really weird year for the Yankees because they had a ton of injuries and they had to rely on the the Mike Talkmans and the DJ LeMayhews and the Gio Urshelas and and they got you know pitching from the Jay Haps and the James Paxes. It was a weird team because they were loaded with with injuries 
and all the guys who came in to fill in. I think uh, uh, Stanton only played like 18 games that year. Yeah, he didn't play and, a lot. It's a weird year because like this team shouldn't get, and they got to game six of the ALCS. Uh, the 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 COVID season, the Rays were clearly better than them in the COVID season. Uh, and last year, you know, they lost to Boston in the wild card game. And if they hadn't lost to Boston, they weren't better than Tampa. They weren't better than Houston. So uh, this year, at least a quarter of the way through, uh, and, and you mentioned the fact that they're getting really good pitching from, obviously, Cortez and Cole and Tyon and Montgomery. And Severino's been okay. He hasn't been great. But the bullpen, they got Michael King has been an all-star. Uh, someone named Clark Schmidt has been unbelievable for them. And they still have Chapman and uh, Clay Holmes and Chad Green and Miguel Castro has been great. Like the, it, it's scary if you're a Yankee hater because the, the, one of the reasons they won all those titles in the late 90s and early 2000s, they never had anyone leading the league in home runs. In fact, they only in the four title seasons they had with Joe Torre, uh, Bernie Williams hit 30 home runs once. And that was the only 30 home run hitter they had in any of those four title years. And that was in the middle of the steroid era. And you could point to people at every position and find a better one in the American League, whether it was Griffey, Albert Bell, Frank Thomas, Robbie Alomar, uh, A-Rod, whomever, all around the diamond, Yvonne Rodriguez. But the Yankees had someone good at every position, and they had unbelievable pitching depth. And that seems to be the formula they have this year. They have someone good at every position, and their pitching depth is really great. And uh, it, yeah, it's scary. It's if you don't want to see the Yankees back in the World Series, um, this is this is not this may not be your year because I'm hoping I'm jinxing them right now. But uh, yeah, this, well, I've seen a lot of crow with this Yankee team. They're they're making they're they're proving a lot of the doubters wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I also said they weren't going to make the postseason. I think I'm going to amend that uh, statement pretty soon. But can't amend I, it. Okay, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I will say on the lineup point, just looking at across the diamond on paper, I don't know if I feel like this Yankees team is as good on paper in terms of the lineup as teams that we've seen in the last decade, like that 2018 team or maybe back in 2012, because as good as Harper, or not Harper, because I know we're going to talk about him later, as good as Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stan has been, Anthony Rizzo has been fire as well. I feel like the lineup is not as deep as years past because I feel like shortstop, I look at Aaron Hicks, I look at Joey Gallo. I feel like there's a bunch of holes around this Diamond Glaber Torres as well. I feel like there's still a lot of holes around this Yankees team in terms of top-end talent in that lineup. We'll see if Josh Donaldson can come around, but I feel like if Giancarlo Stan or Aaron Judge goes down for a month to two months, that offense could really crater. I feel like they're still kind of dependent a little bit on the home run. I just feel like there's not... When I used to look at the Yankees team in the last 10 years, I feel like you could go seven, eight hitters deep, and I really felt like the Yankees team was really deep and really long and it really it really scary at the bottom of the lineup. I don't feel that way with this Yankees team. I feel like once I get past like the number five, number six hitter, I feel like this Yankees team is pretty vulnerable once you get to the bottom of their lineup. I think this is where the pitching comes in, though. I think this is the pitching. I think the offense is good enough to push ahead two or three runs. Okay. And they're, they, they're, they're not going to be – I don't think the Yankees are going to be bludgeoning anyone. I mean, they've had some big blowout games recently. So, yeah. Uh, this, but I think that you can rely on them to score two or three runs, and I think the pitching is good enough to make that count. And I think that, um, look at they they've been getting, uh, you know, Higashioka has not been good. Uh, Gallo, even though he's he's been heating up a little bit, 
is still, I mean, his, his OPS is still under 700, Terrible. you know, and, you know, Hicks, you get what you get, but LeMay, he was hitting better and he had a bad year last year and judges is both judge and Stanton are all stars. They're beast. And Rizzo, Rizzo, you know, he doesn't have the high average, but everything else, he's got the good slugging. He's got the good OPS. He's got great defense, which he'll and just throw the ball anywhere near first base and he's and he'll pick it. And, you know, and Torres has settled down since they entrenched him at second base. And while we all got on the Yankees for not picking up a star shortstop, so far, kind of fluff has been doing the job, you know, and doing the job better than Trevor Story with the Red Sox. You yeah. know, I mean, who would you rather have right now? So, uh, you know, I mean, look at again, it's only one quarter of the way through the season and one quarter of the way through last year. The Kansas City Royals look great. So a lot of things can happen. And you're right that if, you know, Stanton has been in it, has been injury prone and he's on the wrong side of 30. Judges had injury issues. He's on the wrong side of 30. Donaldson's had injury issues. He's on the wrong side of 30. So there's a lot, you know, they're banking that a lot of these players are going to stay healthy. But that being said, uh, for us Yankee haters, it's time for us to, uh, you know, to say that uh, if we put our money on the Yankees losing, we may not have been making the best bets. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's pod. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We'll also be talking to Sully Baseball about the Pirates winning a game despite being no hit. So we're going to discuss that and a whole bunch more on tomorrow's pod. So come back tomorrow. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!